So Anita's story is directly related to the theme of my talk. And that theme is listening. I want to explore listening. And I believe I'd like to do it this week and next week as well. And so I'd invite anyone who would like to take this as a practice. We don't talk about homework here, but we do talk about take-home practice. (laughs) We use different language to avoid unnecessary memories. (laughs) And so a take-home practice for the next week might be to really focus on listening wherever you are. It might be to listen to yourself, it might be to listen to others, it might be to listen for what is beneath the words, what is deeper. It might be to listen for what is unexpected, but it it might be to listen when there's conflict or difficulty. Can I stay open even though there's some tension or stress? And so I'd, I'd invite that, and we'll return to it at the end, Invite that focus on listening in your next week, and then we could come back and explore together what you've seen, what you've investigated, and so forth. And as we explore listening, I'd like to invite a way of listening right now, which might be a little bit different than usual, and that would be to at the same time that you're listening to me, or hopefully listening to me, (laughs) uh, listen to yourself. Listen internally, and that one way to do that might be to be in your body, as it were, or to have some sense of inner experience at the same time that you listen externally. I I may talk more next time, there's something very important about the ability to listen both inside and outside at the same time. In a way, it permits, we might say, both the knowing of ourselves, which is connected with our own autonomy and integrity, and the listening to others, which which is linked with communion and connection. So to how to have both autonomy integrity, and connection at the same time. And this inner and outer listening, I believe, is a key to that. So, we'll, so explore that some now. You can keep a kind of uh, body awareness. It might be to notice if there are responses or thoughts, and to do that at the same time as we listen externally. And I want to do a very similar practice. I will try to stay in my body, and aware, and I will also attempt to listen to what this fellow has to say. And I often find myself saying, as I sometimes say, um, you should listen to what that guy has to say. There may be some value. You might should take some of it seriously. Because <laughs> there's this, this peculiarity of this role that we sometimes channel stuff, and it's good for me to listen too. So I will, I will attempt to listen as well. So listening is an incredible metaphor for our spiritual lives. This ability to listen deeply, to be able to be receptive to ourselves, to the world, 
to others, to the wind, to the water. It's a powerful metaphor and reality for what we cultivate in this practice, what we cultivate in the application of the practice to our daily lives. In my home, I have a Tibetan woodblock print of the great beloved teacher and hermit, Milarepa. And he is often seen, as he is in this print, sitting in the mountains with his hand cupped to his ear as a metaphor for what he's about. This deep, intimate listening. For I was also thinking about um, Kuan Yin, who we have right here. Kuan Yin is the archetype of compassionate action and is sometimes said to be she who listens to the cries of the world, listening right at the center of that uh, archetype of compassion, listening right at the center of compassion. And if you see here, she also has, if you look carefully, she actually, all those things around the circle are her hands. She also has a thousand hands and arms that can act compassionately. And so both the listening and the many hands suggest that compassion has both a receptive nature, the listening, and then the active nature, the action, through the hands. And I was reflecting on this power of listening. I was actually myself, there was someone who, uh, who was here from, had practiced at Barry, and I, I was actually in Massachusetts last week. Uh, Massachusetts and Vermont. I actually just came back yesterday. And we had meetings of uh, teachers from different places. And one of the themes that we explored was how to work with um, conflict. And what came over and over again was the great power of listening for working with conflict, that many of us may sometimes listen in some areas, but we don't all sometimes listen when there's conflict. And how the act of listening is, in a way, central to the act of peacemaking. To be a good listener is sometimes one of the competences that a, that a peacemaker needs. And sometimes listening in itself is action, is peacemaking. The Vietnamese teacher Thich Nhat Hanh says the role of the peacemaker is to listen to the suffering of one side and bring it to the other, and then listen to the suffering of the other side and bring it to the first side. And there's something about listening which is so central to inner peace and to outer peace. And so it's a very, very powerful um, reality and a very powerful metaphor that again, if we just went about in our next week and cultivated listening, we would be able to, um, in a way, have a discipline that would help us just in our everyday life. When, when one's daughter or son or parent is speaking and we're impatient, ah, my practice this week is listening. 
when a coworker is having a hard time. Ah, my practice this week is listening. When we're rushed and we hear the wind blow and we stop and we just say, oh, my practice this week is listening and we listen to the, the wind. I know in my early days of practice and I, when I was actually living in the uh, mountains in Virginia for some time and I would find myself just sitting by the creek listening for hours. There's something, I think I come from a kind of a musical family. Many of my family members are musicians, so maybe I was trained or predisposed to really uh, have my ears, be, my ears be such a central sense, but I would love to just sit by the creek and listening to the sounds, or sometimes in meditation retreats, just listen to the wind and just hang out, very much like we do with the breath, just with the sound. And when my mind's distracted, just come back to the sound. It's a beautiful practice. I love doing it. It also was sometimes tricky because I would sit by the creek in this grass uh, in the mountains and sometimes I would hear sounds and sa- I would think, is that the sound of a snake? <laughs> and so it would be, uh, it wasn't just all fun and games and, and beauty, you know, or something. Oh. Okay, so better... Um, yeah. What do I do with that one? So, so there's, um, there's this amazing quality. We could think of that what we're doing when we just sit quietly. We could think of that as a training in listening. We're really getting trained to listen. We're getting trained to listen to our bodies, to our hearts, to our minds. We're being trained to be able to be receptive and to see what stands in the way of listening. What makes listening hard? What makes it work? What makes us able to listen carefully? How do our own habits and conditioning make it difficult to listen? Because we know that in our society, in the world, people often can't listen very well. You know, I was thinking, I don't know what, there probably is some, when I was in school, I studied... um, the theater of the absurd, as many, some of you may have studied, you know, especially French theater, and they would have these images of two people um, talking but not listening. And we've all had that experience, haven't we, of, peop- of two people talking and each of them, one person talking and the other one planning what to say when the other person finishes, you know, and, and we know that that happens more than we might like to admit in our own experience but especially in the world, and that it, it really is connected with suffering, isn't it? That the, that the ability to listen to ourselves is just so crucial, the ability to listen to others, so basic for caring, for being a good parent, for working well with others. And, we, and what we're doing is training. We're, do, we're getting trained in listening. <coughs> There's a musician and composer named Pauline Oliveros. She teaches a practice that she calls deep listening. Here's what she says about it. Deep listening is listening in every possible way to everything possible, to hear no matter what one is doing. Such intense listening involves the sounds of daily life, of nature, of one's own thoughts, as well as musical sounds. Deep listening is a lifetime practice. 
Listen to everything all the time and remind yourself when you are not listening. Remind yourself when you are not listening. So that could be the instruction for the next week's practice. Listen and, re- and know and remind yourself when you are not listening. There's a, a great way, there's a great book, which is a children's book that someone gave to me called The Other Way to Listen. And it, it talks about the power of listening also. I wanted to read you a good chunk of this book, which will take about two minutes. <laughs> the other way to listen, and I'll have this up here for those who want to. I don't think it's in the Spirit Rock bookstore. I used to know an old man who could walk by any cornfield and hear the corn singing. Teach me, I'd say, when we passed on by. I never said a word when he was listening. Just tell me how you learned to hear that corn. And he'd say, it takes a lot of practice. You can't be in a hurry. And I'd say, I have the time. He was so good at listening, once he heard wildflower seeds burst open, beginning to grow underground. That's hard to do. He said he was just lucky to have been by himself up there in the canyon after a rain. He said it was the quietest place he'd ever been, and he stayed there long enough to understand the quiet. I said, I bet you were surprised when you heard those seeds. But he said, no, I wasn't surprised at all. It seemed like the most natural thing in the world. He just smiled, remembering. And yet it's difficult to listen, isn't it? What gets in the way of listening? Someone said, <laughs> pointed, to the, pointed to the mind. So our thoughts get in the way, our patterns, our, our compulsive desires for something to be happening, right? Part of what we explore when we sit down and meditate are all that gets in the way of listening. And we also get to notice the qualities that help with listening. The ability to not be dominated by one's thoughts. So some of what we learn in meditation is we learn the whole inventory of our thoughts. And we see, oh, this pattern, every time this happens, that thought starts. You know, this stimulus occurs, that pattern of reactivity occurs. So in order to listen well, We have to become these experts on our own patterns of thought, our own patterns of reactivity, what happens in our bodies, what happens in our hearts. And we could see this interesting practice of sitting quietly in a room full of other people, not looking at them, which I remember when I I taught at the University of Kentucky and I had this meditation group that happened after, in the afternoon, and some um, undergraduates who had never experienced meditation came in one day and looked at this group, and they just burst out laughing. You know, and they um, they were they were smiling and giggling, and 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 yet there's something that, um, in a way, is important that the, that we don't have that sense of the power of listening and the difficulty of listening so deeply in our culture, do we? We have to learn. We have to. We have to see that it actually is a training, it actually is a discipline. 
you know, that we have to um, find ways to um, see what those patterns are, notice what gets in the way, notice how it's difficult sometimes just to be with another person and just to listen, to be receptive, to hear what the person is saying, that we need that training. And so we could think of this meditation, which sometimes goes up, sometimes down, and sometimes feels frustrating. It's a training in listening. And listening is not easy. Listening is very, very profound, powerful, uh, really gets to the heart of things. And then for, again, like Milarepa, like Kuan Yin, it's taken to be that quality which is necessary to really know oneself and to know what human nature is. We have to be able to listen. And so this sometimes challenging training of sitting quietly, of listening, and then extending that training to the times when we are with others, with, when we're with our family members, think of that as an extension of your time on the cushion. Think of all, again, it could be an invitation for the next week. Think of all the times in which you're in conversation with another as an extension of the training on the cushion. The ability to listen, to notice when we're off, to notice the patterns. Oh, I'm going there. And that's why this ability to listen internally and externally at the same time is so crucial because we have to be able, when we're listening to another person, to have some sense of what's going on internally. You know, the fact that I'm listening to this other, but no, I'm starting to become irritated. I'm starting to develop attitudes. I'm starting to uh, judge the other. I'm starting, something's happening. And it's not that when in listening that all that ends, but we begin to notice it. We begin to see this is what's happening. And then on the basis of that awareness, on the basis of that listening, we can act hopefully as wisely as possible. In our practice, I think we have to really listen to all the parts of ourselves. We listen to our bodies, perhaps as, as we've never done. And it's again, it's uh, something that I think is not so widespread in our culture, that often we take our bodies for granted and we don't pay so much attention to them. I know for myself, sometimes there's so, been so much, uh, so much of an attempt to get things done, to put out all this energy, that I sometimes haven't listened to my body. And there's something very, very, or I, or I listen, but I override it. Maybe that's another, another part of it. But in some ways, I don't really listen. Because if I really listen deeply, I would attend. I would attend to it. And I think that's part of what's implied by the discipline of listening. So it's to listen to my body. What am I actually feeling in my body? A lot of this requires this slowing down that we, that we, that we know is important, that was important in that story of the, of the old man. We listen to our hearts. We listen to what our deeper motivation is. Can we listen to other people? And in a way, listen for what's beneath the words. I've heard psychologists say that in any given interaction, the words capture at most 20 or 30 percent of what's happening. Can we listen for what's not in the words? You know, I know also for myself, when something's important to me, like when I'm uh, making a big change in my life, I often have found myself wanting to take a day or two and just sit quietly to listen 
if that shift or that change or that new work, that new job, is really in alignment with my deeper intentions. And so, again, that takes listening. How do we know what our deeper intentions are? Sometimes things get so busy and noisy that we can't really hear. And it's interesting that in Western traditions, we could see, we can see this notion of listening right at the center of things. Think of the words that we have for expressing our deeper individual uh, nature. We use words like a calling. Vocation also has to do with voice. It has to do with something like listening for the inner voice. Listening for one's vocation. What is my calling? And it really is related to the notion of hearing the call. In Western traditions, it was especially the call from God or from the divine or from the divine inside. Can I really listen to that to know what to do? And so it's also interesting, the very notion, uh, if you think of the word for church in the original uh, churches of the early Christians, the, the phrase was ecclesia. And do you know what that roots are? Ecclesia has to do with being, hearing the calling or being called. Hearing, being able to listen deeply. And so you find that in, in words. Um, the word, the, if you, we know the word ecclesiastical or ecclesi, you know, it's the word, the word, original word for church meaning those who can hear the call, those who can listen well. And so maybe lastly I'll, I'll talk about the, the power of listening for working with conflict or working with difficulties. And it's really, again, a kind of a discipline that is, um, I think, is the direct result of our practice of listening on the cushion. About two weeks ago, I was part of a group. I was co-leading a retreat with a group that has had a number of different retreats over time. And this particular group, it was really unclear what was happening. There were some issues and problems in the group. And at the beginning of the process, we weren't sure what would happen. Some people thought the group (coughs) might have to end. There were different kinds of issues. Some of them were interpersonal, some of them were more organizational, and we didn't know what to do. And in a sense, you could say there were conflicts there. And what we did in five days is we had our our work, it was both a a retreat in which we had some silent time, but it was a lot of interactive work. It wasn't a meditation retreat, but another kind of retreat. And what we did was because we had this unknown part of the development of the group, we had an hour and a half each day at which you could say that we tried to listen for where we needed to go. And we did this maybe four times. We took an hour and a half. And sometimes we didn't know what would happen. Sometimes there was frustration. Some, but we kept on going. We kept on listening. And kind of somewhat miraculously, by the end of the process, we heard a solution that we had never imagined at the beginning. And we basically we hung in there and we listened and we listened carefully and there was a kind of resolution that I think everyone was pleased with. 
and that was unexpected, and that only came because we had the patience to listen, not to give up or not to be overly frustrated, but just to keep listening. And I think this is the kind of discipline, it's, it's partly a discipline, partly a faith, isn't it? <laughs> it's partly a faith, partly patience, maybe partly the wisdom of, of knowing that what is most important comes from deep listening. And we were able in that group to do that and kind of come out the other end. And it's really, uh, for me, it's an example that I, it's really, I keep learning. And then maybe many of us have that experience that we keep learning the power of listening. We keep learning that, especially, especially manifest in a conflict, can I really listen deeply to what the situation wants and be aware and able to discriminate my more superficial reactions and listen deeply for what the situation wants, what the other person is most trying to say, for what's there deeper in my nature that wants to come out more. And so in a way, this quality of listening is, as, as was suggested at the beginning, it's right at the center of what we do. It's receptive and it's also in a way active that when we listen, we sometimes, as in the case of my story with the group, listening in itself was a form of action that led to results. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Listening is not just passive, it's sometimes action, and sometimes it tells us what action to take. So it's, a, it's this powerful metaphor, and I invite us to, uh, if you wish, to take that guide uh, of listening, and, and, you know, write it on your hand, put it on your dashboard, you know, put it a sign on your walls, uh, listen, and see where it takes you in the next week. Mm-hmm. And so we close by remembering that we do this practice, we develop an awareness, compassion, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. And as may be really clear with this exploration of listening, we do this for both ourselves and for others. And may we offer the fruits of our time together for the benefit, the healing, and the freedom of all beings. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.
donate.